Hey guys and welcome back to the Pennies and Pounds podcast with your host Kay and this is the podcast where we aim to dispel myths, simplify difficult financial jargon and rectify your own personal problems. Welcome back guys, we are back, we are back again with another episode and as you can tell by the title, this is the episode where we're going to tell you everything that you need to know as a first time buyer. But like before, this is another very special episode as it is in partnership with a property company called District 34. Now, District 34 are on a mission to bring dignity and security of home ownership to London renters. They are an educational community and membership platform for aspiring first-time buyers. So if that is you and you want to know everything to do with first-time buyers, first-time purchasing, then you have tuned in to the right episode. We're going to cover a number of things in the episode today. So make sure you have your notebooks ready, ready to jot down, take down some information as we're going to go through all of the key things that you need to know if you're looking to purchase your first house, whether that be now, this year, through the COVID time, the next two years, next five years, next 10 years. Whenever it may be, this is what you need to know as a first-time buyer. First of all, we're going to start off with what is a LISA? So LISA stands for Lifetime ISA, and this is a government-backed scheme to help first-time buyers get in the property market. Initially, we had the Help to Buy ISA, as many of you listening may have. Now that has been superseded, so that was closed, that ended last year, November, so November 2019, and we just have the Lifetime ISA available to open. So you don't have to put in a mandatory amount every single month, you just need a pound in there. I'd like the Help to Buy ISA to have it open. You get a maximum of £1,000 bonus from the government every single year, providing you max it out. So the maximum you can save is £4,000. So if you save the maximum every single year, you get £1,000 on top from the government. And that can be used towards first-time house purchase or towards retirement. Amazing, right? Free money. Who doesn't want free money? The downside is, with the lifetime asset, is that you cannot withdraw it unless it's for, like I said, first-time property purchase, retirement, or you are terminally ill. If you are none of the above and you want to withdraw your money, then you will incur a 25% penalty fee. That penalty fee comprises of 20%, which is the government bonus, so you'll forfeit that, and 5% of your own saved money. However, you'll be happy to hear that that has currently been waived. So that if you're listening now, you don't have to worry about that. So that penalty fee has gone just because of the COVID times, because we know how hard it is for many people with a loss of income, a de- decrease in income. So if you do want to take out money, obviously the government bonus, that's not yours. If you want to take out your own money and you're worried about incurring a fee, the penalty fee, that has been put on hold until April 2021. So go ahead, take out your money if you need it and put it back. As long as the money's been replaced by next April, you won't have to pay any kind of penalty fee. So that is really, really good to know if you didn't know that. That is what the lifetime ISA is. So if you are looking to start saving, if you're already saving, then a lifetime ISA might be a really, really handy tool to have. If you have a help to buy ISA and you say, you know what, I want to have a lifetime ISA, I've compared the two and I've decided the lifetime ISA is better for me, then you can absolutely do so. Pick a lifetime ISA provider, contact them and they will help you through the steps to move your money over from the help to buy to the lifetime so you can still get your government bonus in the lifetime ISA. You don't have to forfeit that. Equally, if you have a help to buy ISA and you want a lifetime ISA in addition, you can do so. You can open up both. 
Just remember that you can only get the government bonus on one of them. So if you have the help to buy and the lifetime, you only get the bonus on one of the accounts, not both. Unfortunately, there is no way to cheat the system and get it on both. Only on one. So that's something for everyone to remember. Only on one. Now we're going to go on to a typical term that we see quite often. You may have seen if you've been doing research onto property purchases. That is LTV. Now, what does LTV mean? It means loan to value. That's what that means. And this is basically how much you are borrowing for your mortgage in relation to your property value. And that is denoted as a percentage. So let me give an example because I know this might be going over your head. Let me give you an example. So let's say I have a property that's worth £220,000, right? And my deposit is 22000 so that's 10% of the property value. So the LTV would be 90% for my property. Why? Because I have put down a 10% deposit, £22,000, and I am borrowing the other 90% from the bank to be able to pay my mortgage. So that's what it is. Loan to value. That's what that stands for. So if, if you ever see that, you know what that means. It's, you can demystify that now. You know exactly what that means. LTV, loan to value. The next thing I'm going to move on to is stamp duty. So again, you may have heard stamp duty, but what is stamp duty? What exactly is stamp duty? I will tell you. Stamp duty is taxes on property purchases. So as you know, we have so many different taxes. We have, what do we have? We have VAT, we have income tax, we have corporation tax, we have excise duty. I could go on forever. We have so many different taxes in the UK. Stamp duty is but another one that we have to incur. And this is one that is paid on properties over the value of £125,000, one two five thousand pounds if it's a residential property so if it's a property that you're going to buy to live in if it's a property that you're going to buy to rent out to work in wherever it is then you pay it over the value of 150,000 pounds so unfortunately there is no escaping it unless unless you are a first time buyer if you are a first time buyer you get stamp duty relief doesn't that sound nice relief you get stamp duty relief on any value property as long as it does not exceed £300,000. Now, you may be listening to this and may think, well, that's impossible if I'm going to live in London. And you know what? You would be right. I, I would give you that. You would be right. So if you were trying to buy a pe- uh, property in London, good on you because properties are very expensive in London. But if you were to, then you would have to pay stamp duty on that property because it will exceed £300,000. However, if you look further afield, if you look further afield, and look further out, there are properties throughout the UK, in West Midlands, in Scotland, and everywhere, all kinds of places, which would be a lot cheaper, so you will get stamp duty relief, which will mean you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay stamp duty on that property purchase. But that's definitely something to factor in, especially if the property that you want to buy does exceed 300000 You want to kind of factor that in mind and know that you may have to pay stamp duty. So you might be hearing this and think, Yep, this might be me. So the stamp duty amount varies, but if your property exceeds 300,000, so literally 300,000 and one pound up until 500,000 pounds, then the stamp duty amount is 5%. So 5% of the property value will have to be paid in the tax of stamp duty. So remember that, factor that in if that is something that you have to consider, that will have to go into a list of costs when you come to purchase your house, but that's definitely something to consider as well. Another question, something else that comes up a lot is what are the different types of mortgages? What are the different types of mortgages? And I'm not talking about the different banks. 
I'm talking about the different actual types. So if you've had to have, if you've gone to have a look, and you may have, you may have been inquisitive or you may be right on the edge of getting your first property, then you will see different types of mortgages. You'll see a fixed rate mortgage and a tracker mortgage. So you're going to think, what do they even mean? And I thought this when I first heard it. I did. I thought, what does this mean? Well, I'm going to tell you what they mean. So if you have a fixed rate mortgage, as I'm sure you can kind of get from the name, it means that the interest rate on that mortgage is fixed for the period of time you have your mortgage. So if your interest rate, and I'm just doing an example, if your interest rate on your mortgage is, let's say, 4%, that means that and your, your, your mortgage period is 30 years, for example, that means for the whole of the 30 years, you will be paying 4% on your mortgage, right? Compared to a tracker mortgage, where the tracker mortgage is a variable rate mortgage, and this tracks the interest rate of our mortgages. So for example, if we go again, I got my mortgage and when I took it out, it was 4%. However, two years down the line, mortgage rates have decreased. So now my tracker mortgage will also decrease in its interest rate. So now it's gone from 4% to 3.5%, right? So now I'm paying even less. What that does is it will watch the rates of other mortgages and adjust itself accordingly. So you may find yourself paying you know, paying a lot less during different periods and possibly paying more because it tracks the rates of different mortgages. A lot of tracker mortgages do actually follow the Bank of England rate, so the interest rate of the Bank of England, but that's what tracker mortgage is. So it's really, really good. If you can, obviously, it's when you're a first-time buyer, we kind of just take what you want, take what you can get. I know it's hard to be discerning and picky, but tracker mortgages are definitely very good. If you can get one, if not, then fixed rate is absolutely fine. But that's the difference for the two. So if you're having a look and you didn't know what they meant, that's what it means. Tracker versus fixed rate mortgage. Now, a popular question that I get asked a hell of a lot is how much deposit do I need for my first time property purchase, right? And this is obviously a topic. Everyone wants to know how much should I be saving? I'm saving, but what am I saving for? How much am I saving? So typically, a first time property deposit is 5 to 10% of the property value, typically. Typically, the more you can save, so if you can save up 20%, 25%, obviously that means the less you have to borrow, the less money you pay back in interest and the mortgage, but typically between 5 to 10%. So if you want to put that into perspective, I have gone and had a look. I will put this, the, what's the word? I will put the, why have I gone blank? The, um, I'll put the source. I'll put the source in the episode description so you can have a look at the whole of the UK. But I have found the average deposit that you need for a first-time buyer, for a first-time property throughout the UK. As you can imagine, London is the highest. So if you're trying to purchase a house in London, the deposit you will need for a London house, the average deposit is £109,000, but to be exact, 109885 I can never say that, £109,885, there we go, that's how much the average deposit is to buy a property in London, if you're a first-time buyer, crazy, but now if we go elsewhere in the UK, so if we travel to West Midlands, so from £109,000, we jump all the way down to £34,000, for West Midlands, which is more more achievable, more attainable. So this is the average, right? So this this is taking into account people who may be buying 
one beds, two beds, three beds, taking into account everything and making it an average, just so you know. Then we travel further up in the UK. If we go to Scotland, the average in Scotland is £29,000. Then if we travel, oh, look at my geography. If we travel further down and to the left, I, I hope I'm right, down to the left to Wales, we're looking at £25,000. To be exact, it's £25,704 for the average deposit. Now, if we go, oh, if we cross the pond and go up to Northern Ireland, we're looking at £25,317. Wait, £25,317. £25, I don't know why I'm struggling with this. That's how much it is. So as you can see, the highest is London with £109,885 and the lowest is Northern Ireland with £25,317. There's a big, big gap in the, the average deposit that you need as a first-hand buyer. But just to kind of put it in perspective, London is amazing. London is very amazing. I live in London. You're so connected. I've... The, the transport, as much as if you are a Londoner, TfL is not your friend. It costs a lot of money, but you are so connected in London. You can go from one part to another part in 45 minutes and you're there. I know for me, I live in East London. I can go from East London to Central London in about 35 minutes and I'm there. So London is amazing. There's so much to do, but equally it's so expensive to live. It is super expensive to live. So it may be, may be worthwhile considering other places considering places, even on the outskirts, even in places like Kent, Essex, places on the outskirts. So you're not too far away from London. You can still travel in. If you drive, you can still drive in or you can get fast trains into London, but you can also benefit from cheaper living, cheaper housing there. That's just my little two piece, two pence piece in there for you guys. Now we're going to go on and talk about the help to buy equity loan. Not to be confused with the help to buy ISA that we mentioned earlier. So just to recap, the help to buy ISA is no longer available, but that is an ISA, so that's a savings account, which was government-funded, government-backed to help first-time buyers get a property market, much like the lifetime ISA. The help to buy equity loan is a loan put together by the government, and this is where the government lends you 20% of the value of your new build home so essentially, all you really need is a 5% deposit. So instead of where we were talking earlier, we need about 10%. Ideally, you, you don't have to worry about that. You just need 5% deposit to get your house because the government will put together 20%. So you've got 25% deposit. You take out a 75% mortgage and you're good to go. You will not be charged fees on the loan because remember, it is a loan and loans you have to be paid back usually with interest, but on this loan, you don't have to pay fees on the loan for the first five years of you living in your, in your place. So you'll be repaying back just what you borrowed. Then after the five years, you'll start, um, the government will start charging interest. But please do note, if you're saying, you know what, ding, 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 this is what I want. I want the help to buy equity loan. Just remember that this is only available on new build homes. So if you were looking to buy a house down the road or my dad's got a house, you know, up north and I was going to buy that you, it only is available on new build homes so it's definitely something to factor in something to consider when making your decision but it helps about equity loan is definitely something there to again help first-time buyers get on a property market because believe it or not the government wants people to be housed especially new buyers we need to have a home so definitely something to consider jot it down research it a bit more see if that's something that fits into you 
and see how it works for you. So we went over there. We went over some really, really key things. Just to recap again, let me just run through it really quickly. So we covered what a LISA is. What is a lifetime ISA? What does a loan to value mean? What is stamp duty? What is the difference between fixed rate mortgages compared to tracker mortgages? How much deposit do you need to buy your first property? And what the help to buy equity loan is. So we covered some really key things there that you should know as a first time buyer, whether you're buying this year, two years time, five years time, 10 years time, some key things that you should know when it comes to buying your first house. It is very, very important. Hopefully this has really helped you cement what you need to know when it comes to buying your first property. We're going to go straight into some questions that have been sent in from you guys about buying your first house. So if you follow pennies to pounds on Instagram, then you would have seen that we put up a little questions box for you guys to send in your questions that you have regarding first time property purchases. If you aren't following pennies to pounds and you're just like, ah, I wish I had a question, never fear. You can send them in to info at pennies to pounds.co.uk and we will still answer them in the next episode of Penny Problems. We haven't forgotten. But for now, we're going to go through the questions that have been sent in. You guys sent in so many So I'm not going to be able to get through all of them. Whatever I don't get through now, I will go through in the next episode of Penny Problems, which we will do. Don't worry, it'll be the next episode. And I've said it here now. I've said it. It's going to happen. The next episode will be Penny Problems. So any questions I don't answer here now will be answered in Penny Problems. Don't worry. First question is, how much money do I actually need to buy a house? So hopefully I've covered that one throughout this episode. So you typically need between five to 10% deposit. If you can save up more, if you can save up 20%, then that's great. Remember that there's always gonna be additional fees. You're gonna have to pay for things like mortgage brokers. You're gonna have to pay for, I'm trying to think. You're gonna have to pay for legal fees, solicitors. There's so many different fees included with buying your first time property that you need to factor them in. But typically, if we're talking about deposit, you need between five to 10% typically to get your first time property. Next question. Besides saving up the deposit, where do I start? That's a good, good question. I know a lot of people think, well, I'm saving, but should there be anything else that I need to be doing? What I'd say is definitely use this time whilst you're saving to research more about where you want to buy. So I've been using this time, for those of you who don't know, I'm also saving up for my first time property. I've been using this time to research the different areas I want to live in. Because as I mentioned earlier, London is extortionate and I cannot afford London as a female by myself with one deposit saved up. So with that being said, I've looked at different areas. So I would tell you to use this time to educate yourself on the different areas and the prices that are there. So if you have a look at, let's let's just take, because I said it earlier, let's take Kent. If you decide, you know what, I don't mind Kent. Have a look, go on Zoopla, go on where all these places where you can research homes, go and have a look. See what you're looking for. If you're looking for a one-bed apartment, one-bed house, have a look at the average price range. Also, a good tip that my dad also gave, gave me when you search up for things is, so you know you can filter your searches, right? You can look at what's listed there, and that's great. You can see the price there, that's great. But what you want to do is you want to scroll down whatever your website you're using and find either completed listings or sold. And that will tell you the houses that have actually been sold and how much they went for. So it's all well and good if someone's trying to sell their, their one-bed property for £300,000. But if you filter down to sold and a property, which is one bed, got sold for £210,000, then you kind of know the rough price range you should be looking at when it comes to buying your first property. So it gives you a better idea of how much deposit you should aim to save, all of those kind of things. So when you're on the website, 
filter your searches and scroll down to either completed listings or sold. It's called different things on different websites, but that's that's what you should look at and see what's on there. That's one tip I'd give you. So research the areas that you want to live in. Um, have a look, depending on how close you are to having it all saved up, you might want to have a look at some mortgage brokers and see how they can help you to give you a better understanding of what mortgages you'd be eligible for. Is there anything you tighten up? Because you never know. You may have all your money saved up and when you go talk to a mortgage broker, they'll be like, right, but your credit score is terrible. There's all things you need to consider like that and they'll tell you different ways that you can sort things out. Um, so it's really good to kind of consult a mortgage broker. I'd say probably if you're around six months to a year away from having your deposit saved up, probably worthwhile talking to mortgage brokers. You can go to them in person. Obviously it's COVID, so it's a bit, you know, a bit difficult. But when everything gets back to normal, you can talk to them in person or there's also online mortgage brokers, which you can use. So have do your research and see if, if you can find a mortgage broker, have a conversation with them um, and take that in. Lastly, my last tip would be to make sure that you are using this time wisely. And when I say that, I mean, fix up your credit score. So I mentioned it just now with your credit score. The banks will be looking at your credit score. They'll be looking at your spending. They'll be scrutinizing every single penny that leaves your account. So make sure that you are in good standing now. If you're credit scores is a bit bit questionable and you're a year two years away you still have time to rectify your credit score so spend that time now making the necessary changes that you need to to fix your credit score use this time now to reduce your spending on unnecessary things because the banks will go through with a fine tooth comb and will pick apart your bank statements they'll say so you, so you bought mcdonald's here and here and here so you need a mcdonald's 15 times in this month and you bought Costa Coffee, what, 25 times? They will scrutinise you. So use this time to tighten up everything that you've got regarding your financials. That's what I'd say. Last question I will answer. And like I said, there are about five more questions I'm looking at and they, I promise you, will be answered in the next episode of Penny Problems. Don't worry. But last question is, what is the best savings account since the Help to Buy eyesight is now closed? That's a good question. So if you got helped by ISA, well done to you. If you didn't, no stress. If you're looking to get an account to get the government bonus, which is what I recommend to you, then definitely get the lifetime ISA. Remember the maximum that you can save in the lifetime ISA each tax year. So tax year runs April through April. So each tax year, the maximum you can save in your lifetime ISA is £4,000. If you are aiming to save more, if you're saying, you know, I want to save double that. I'm going to put, I'm going to max up my lifetime ISA to benefit from the extra 1K from the government. Then... I definitely encourage you to go in different comparison sites um, such as uh, Money Supermarket, all these different places where you can research, compare the market and look and see what the interest rates are for savings accounts at the moment. Right now, as this is being recorded, we are in COVID, but I I recognise that people will be listening to this back. So as it's COVID-19, be aware that interest rates are pretty low at the moment. I keep getting emails from my banks telling me that my interest rate is declining and declining and decreasing and declining. So if you're looking for a high interest rate savings account, it might be difficult to find at the moment. But as we start to come out of things, the interest rate will pick up again and then you'll be in the clear, in the green to be making, you know, earning some money on your savings. So definitely have a look on those websites, Money Supermarket, Compare the Market. There's loads of those comparison sites to have a look and see what the highest rate savings accounts are right now. Most of them, well, pretty much all of them, you can apply online. So you don't have to worry about trying to go into a branch anywhere. You can apply for them online. You don't have to be a customer as well for most of these places. You can literally just apply for the savings account. 
So don't think, oh, you know, one bank has it, but I'm a, I'm a customer of another bank. You can apply for savings accounts anywhere. But yes, that's what I'd recommend. Go and have a look, do your research and see what accounts are out there and see what the highest ones are for you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Hopefully you've taken away some really, really key things from this episode as it was really, really good. I, I enjoyed delivering the information. Hopefully you enjoyed taking it in. If you jotted down some notes, then I hope they were beneficial to you. Remember, first time property purchases don't have to be scary. I hope I didn't scare you off of this. I just wanted to make sure that you're fully prepared and fully understood what comes with first time property purchases. Hopefully I demystified some terms like LTV, loan to value, LISA, stamp duty. Hopefully that all makes a bit more sense to you now if you weren't clear on it earlier. Thank you again to District 34 for partnering up to help me deliver this episode. This was absolutely amazing and this was all down to them. So just if you want to know more about District 34, consider joining the community as it gives you access to all the resources you need to save up your deposit for your first time home in two years. If you want to go the extra mile, you can join our home buying club for personalised resources, meet other members and priority access to their properties. So if you're interested in District 34 to find out more about them, I will link everything in the episode description. It will also be on the Pennies and Pounds Instagram page under this episode. So go and have a look, go and check them out and it will be there. Once again, we'll be back again next week with penny problems. So if you have any questions now about anything, it doesn't have to be about property, about anything, send them over to info at pennies2pounds.co.uk or wait, I will be putting them up a lot more often on the Pennies to Pounds Instagram page. So you can literally send in questions there. I will take them down. And when it comes to penny problems, I will answer them for you. But that will be the next episode coming out will be penny problems. I know there's like a backlog of messages and questions in the Pennies to Pounds emails. So keep sending them through and it will be answered Don't worry, I've seen you. I've got you. Thank you guys again for listening and tuning in. As always, remember to follow Penny to Pounds on all social media accounts. Follow us on YouTube. We've got more content coming out. Don't worry, I know we've been on a little hiatus, but we've got more coming out. And just thank you guys for being amazing. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Hope it's productive. Let's be your little motivation. Keep working towards what you want to achieve. And yes, the outro is done. Look at that. I'm still talking over the outro. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again next week. Bye.